Well, you're listening to the Architecture Geeks podcast. I'm Larry. And I'm Matthew. We're your friendly neighborhood architects, just being as geeky as we want to be. Well, hi again, everyone. Thank you for joining us. That's that fun time of year when family's in town and, of course, perfectly timed for crappy weather. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's it's. I mean, I, I I say crappy weather, and I shouldn't complain because you can actually still fly in and out of of Dallas, and there's no snow, there's no ice, there's no. <laughs> well, we we rarely get any of that anyway. So. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but uh, we thought you know, with it being gloomy outside, it might be a good time to actually talk about gardening. Which, if if you know anything about me, I am the man who will kill a plant in about ten minutes. <laughs> Just by looking at it. Just by looking at it. It's it's not. I I don't know why. I have just never been able to. I'm like, do I overwater it? Do I underwater it? I, it's 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 just one of those things. James actually is pretty good with plants for the most part. Um, well, I had a dream the other night that he chopped one completely back down to the roots for some reason. Oh, which nice. may not be a bad idea. But yeah, there's a one plant that we had at the office years ago that we. I mean. It looked just deathly ill. We couldn't get it to do anything. And I was like, well, I'll just take it home. We still have it. Yeah. But, you know, it's two and a half feet tall. And it's this thing. And I'm like, okay, well, well, we made some progress. But anyway, but we thought we'd talk about gardening a little bit because, well, you know, for one, there's the similarity between architecture and gardening in, in a lot of ways. And Yeah, no. And to me, it was... I, I guess of the two of us. <laughs> well, you're the, you're the one who can actually do stuff. I mean, it's yeah. your, your entire front yard is now becoming what? Oh, it's it's a whole. I don't want to call it an urban farm. You know, I, I, I'm not going to give myself a, a, that, that that hipster qualification. But I, I would like to I would like to think that my yard is becoming more useful than just looking at how pretty the green grass is growing. <laughs> how pretty green grass, and there's some shrubs and flowers and. Yeah and, yeah, and fruit trees. And... Yeah, but you, you've really you've really gone quite, quite the, yeah. the route. I mean, it, it was I think the first thing you were like, oh, I, I'm going to plant this and this, and then the next time I talked to you, I'm like, oh, and I planted this and this and this and this and this. I'm like, wait, wait, back up. <laughs> when you just when you just do one, <laughs> it's just it just kind of snowballs a yeah. little bit. But but what what really drove it? I mean, what was the big thing for you? Um. Well, there were a couple things I first started just because, yeah, it's a it, it's it's a silly tradition tradition I guess. But when I first started, it was just a matter of we just had kids, and you know, there's there's a, a tradition of planting a, a tree when your kids are born. Oh, okay. And 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 then and then you can say, oh, well, there's your your, your I guess I I think it's called a birth tree. I heard one of my neighbors talking about it to me. It's a birth tree. I don't know. I didn't know it was a birth tree or anything, but well, it sounds kind of, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But it, it's the tree that, you know, that you plant when the kids are born and like, Oh, that tree is, is, is you old. Okay. <laughs> and so, and, and you know, since we had twins, I was yeah, like, well, right. here's one apple tree. Here's a different apple tree. They can pollinate each other. <laughs> and they're, they're on, they're perfectly symmetrical on either side of our sidewalk going up to the entry. Because they have to be. Yes. That's, that's the architect in you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, and so it just, that, that's where it started. And then, you know, that snowballs into, 
well, you know, you can't just do a couple apple trees. You know, pears grow really well here too. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you, you order a couple pear trees, and then, well, well, gee, you know. And, and so you just start thinking. And there's this there's a house down the street from us where their entire yard is just nothing but trees. And and I'm sure it's a pain to to mow or take care of or anything. Yeah. But I, I but that's the point though, like. I don't think they, they, they have much to take care of because it's all trees. Yeah. And so, and, and that greatly appeals to me because I hate mowing or, or weed eating or anything like that. And so, and so to me, it not only was it a way of, of, of showing the, showing your kids like, Hey, you know, you can appreciate and, and enjoy nature, you know, right in your front yard kind of thing. Right. But it's also a, well, I, if I if I if I plant enough, <laughs> I won't have to mow one of these days. <laughs> there won't really be a yard left. It'll yeah, be fine. There, everything will just be just just stuff that I actually want in the yard. Because you see, you you always see people just pouring money into their front yard just to keep that little patch of grass just green or, or yard or weed free or yeah. anything like that, and and it's just like. You're you're literally just spraying the yard to keep it green. Just you're you're spending money to keep up appearances. Just, just to keep up appearances. Yeah. Oh well, well, sure. And it doesn't to me. That doesn't make any sense to me because it's not do. It's not doing you anything beyond, you know, just buying good, good for the graces, neighbors. Buying the good graces of your neighbors who you may or may not know or talk to or really like anyway. Yeah. So why are you trying to? Why, <laughs> why are you, you killing yourself? Yeah. Why are you killing yourself trying to appease the neighbor who you never talk to anyway? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, and and I'm wondering how much of that goes back to, um, you know, when when America started moving into the suburbs. Yeah. You know, and you had your house and your little patch of lawn and your mowing and your, you know, it just sort of. <laughs> oh, uh, uh, well, I was I was like... remembering the the the, the first suburb, Le- Levittown. Yeah. And well, and it actually had they had a, a rule in the HOA that you act you had to mow on on I think it was either Saturday or Sunday, but you you had to go get a lawnmower and mow your yard every weekend. Like it was a requirement in the HOA that yeah. you had to do that. Wow. And I think we've reached a point now where, where we can all agree that HOAs are, are uniformly can be nightmarish. Yes, and, yeah. and and so, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's you know, you think okay, so that's where we started, and now it's it's you know, a multi-billion-dollar industry, landscape industry, to make your yard look as best as you can, so everyone. You know, even our HOA, which isn't really a strict HOA, but, you know, just kind of neighborhood kind of thing. Um, you know, they do a month, a monthly, you know, yard of the month kind of thing. Oh. Yeah. So, I'm like, that's never going to be my yard. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, um, it was, it's always been very, you know, it's, it's, you, it's, and it's curb appeal. It's, mm-hmm. you know, for when your house gets sold that you have this nice, pretty lawn in front to appeal to whoever's buying it. But I do kind of like that idea of, of you know, for you, it's becoming more about the the front yard being productive. Now, the backyard's probably shot because you have the dog. Yeah. Yeah. We have a doggy door and dogs that go out there and uh, do all their business yeah. out there. So it's kind of kind of hard to hold up that. Um, and as a dog owner, I'll, yeah, same thing. <laughs> um but at the same time, the um, 
whole idea that that you're actually can use the front yard because you're I mean it was just the apples and it's the pear but you've got what blackberry yeah I've you got, got you got vines blackberries got... I've got passion fruit vines I've got a whole section that's dedicated towards uh, herbs I've got rosemary oregano mm-hmm. um, fennel and a couple other green vegetable. So you're, you're essentially beans. really truly gardening. Yeah, yeah. I, what I make, what I lack in skill, I make up for in volume. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't quite figured everything out about. I haven't quite figured out everything there is to know about gardening, but I, I, I'd yeah. like to say I try. But you have your Neil Sperry book, and you're kind of working your way through it. Yes, yes. Well, so let me ask you this then, because it's the architect in you now, and, and you, as you said as much, you know, you plant your trees symmetrically around the. Around the sidewalk, around the entry, yes. Um, but yeah, we're taught in architecture school. I mean, you know, the you have the English garden, you have a French garden. So you know, English gardens vary that sort of free flow, no hard edges. You know, the ponds just you know, reeds and shrubs, and so it's a very kind of, I guess, pastoral scene, for lack of a better word. Pastoral, maybe trying to imitate nature a little bit more, yeah. or just. Yeah, a little bit more natural. Yeah, versus that the French garden, which is very regimented. It's all you know. You have your clean lines, clean lines, and, and it's yeah, um, squared off edges. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Um, but I mean, but for your front yard, I mean, I mean you're you're talking a, a generic front yard in the neighborhood. I mean, do you, so when you're planting everything else, I mean, you obviously planted the trees, but do you plant? You do sort of follow that sort of free flow sort of English idea, or do you try to really segment your your what you're growing where you're growing? Does that make sense? Yeah. So the way I've planned mine is mainly around the sun patterns in Texas. Okay. Because you know, especially during the summer months, and the summer months is really what most gardeners in Texas will focus on, because if you've got plants out on a southern exposure mm-hmm. in 100 degree heat i mean they're just they're, they're not going to survive <laughs> they're just going to bake into nothingness and you'll be left with this tiny little sad little weed that you yeah. just... some some dry sticks to break up yeah that that, that used to be <laughs> something that you, you may have cared about but <laughs> but not anymore yeah so so i've got um so i've got some uh, herbs that I know are heat sensitive and, and they're shaded by the, the rosemary bushes. I have rosemary bushes kind of clumped together, but in between each rosemary bush on the east side of it are, are some some heat more heat sensitive uh, herbs that may not necessarily like full sun. Yeah. Whereas the rosemary bushes, they don't care. Yeah. That's the beauty about rosemary. You can you can leave it alone and and. Texas will pretty much take care of it for you. You don't have to do anything with it. But so I pretty that's that's my main organizational system. Just just from a, I'm trying to protect these plants from the sun from killing it from from the sun killing them okay. <laughs> on this side because I know that they're a little bit more sensitive. And then I've got more of the heat tolerant stuff in the more open section of the yard that's going to just absolutely bake if I put anything else there. Yeah. So it, it's where. It, that's my primary organizational system. system. Okay. My and 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 I and to your point about architecture, 
like that that i mean a similarity could be said for you know how we design our buildings and everything well, you, that's true you've got you know you have to make sure that your uh, your building is you know sided especially You're oriented in, correctly yeah oriented correctly you know in texas again that would be along the southern exposure you want most of your windows on the south and north side so that you're not baking on the, the east and west when the sun comes up and goes down yeah. you've got to make sure that you know your neighbor's shadows aren't aren't gonna affect any of the light that comes into your area there's some there's some there's some real similarities between the two that I, I was interested in, in, in looking at. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that's that, that weird thing of telling clients. Um, yeah, you don't need a giant window facing directly south. You, no. you want to bake the entire inside of the house and you know, basically peel the finish off of everything. We can do that. But no, you need to be facing away from the sun. Um, interesting. I, I, you know, I, I hadn't really thought about how that... You know, you see out of the gardening, you want the shade. I mean, there's things that are... We have two plants that do, do fantastic in the sun. Um, and ironically, one of them gets a little more shade than the other, and it just was going crazy. I mean, just like blooming like like mad. Mm -hmm. And the two, two plants in the pots right next to the steps that had full-on sun didn't do so well. <laughs> I mean, they did okay for a while. Uh... But not great. Yeah, and and another similarity that I was thinking about was um, testing soils, yeah. like before you before you pour foundation or oh, yeah. do anything do, doing like your that, soils report. You have to yeah. you know, do test bores and figure out what the the the, the soil can actually support, which yeah. in in Texas isn't much. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but but like you know, when you're gardening, you have to test the soil for pH levels. Yeah, because there are certain plants, like most of the berries, like your your strawberries, your blueberries, blackberries, most of those actually grow really well in acidic soils, especially blueberries. Yeah, and and so those and so. But unfortunately, here in especially North Texas, it's all alkaline. It's all it's a very clay. It's, oh, very so. Clay. So anything that the the best that you can hope for in Texas is that you have a neutral soil, <laughs> and, and so neutral means your blueberry bushes won't die as quickly. <laughs> and 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 so you always have to you you have to test your your soil in your specific area to determine well is this plant that I'm going to put down going to survive the, the the chemistry that I'm putting it into yeah. And, and and like I said, blueberry bushes in North Texas just don't work because yeah. you're, you're the the, so the numbers are just too far apart on on uh, the uh, pH on the pH scale because you're looking at the blueberries survive in like a in the numbers range from one to fourteen, blueberries survive on the on the numbers between four and six, yeah. and most Texas soils are sitting from seven to seven plus you know there's seven eight you know yeah. eight, eight seven eight nine yeah. if you're going to super heavy clay soils you're not going to get something to survive in that yeah. if it's not made for it so you, yeah. you've got you know similarities to you know, soils testing that you got to do for both ends um yeah i was talking with a client and where they are it is apparently the the rock is fairly close to the to the surface that's so. rare 
Yeah, I know, but their their house is a slab foundation, and it's moved from one end to the other, maybe a total of a half an inch. And That's I mean, awesome. I mean, and they are stretched far. I mean, the way the house is set up, it's just this big sort of almost V shape. So they they spread across quite a bit of the property, and only to have half an inch. Yeah, and in the in the time since the house has been built, which is before they bought it, yeah, it's it's a little adjustment about a half inch. I'm like, that's really good. But they had um, um, someone's building something close to them, and they were getting ready to tear out trees. And they're like, um. Yeah, you may not want to tear those out. They're like, well, why? We, we, it's like, well, you can tear them out, but you to get a tree to grow back here is going to be a real problem for you because the rock is so close to the surface that you can't get new trees to really take root. I had they had considered a, that. They had a hard time getting anything to take root up there. Or you can get it to root, but it's going to go over wow. pretty quick. So... So yeah, so just trying to to keep that in mind. Um, I, I I hadn't even thought about that either. You yeah. know that the, yeah, you're going to deal with you know having limestone close to the surface, much less dealing with with you know typically for us it's the clay soil. I mean everywhere in in North Texas it's you know and and you'll have swelling. You know the the seasonal swell will go from you know sometimes four to eight inches. Yeah, which is a lot. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, the thought hadn't occurred to me. Yeah, the whole pH thing—you're having to test for all your pH, and you know, as much as we would do that for the core, you know, for what are we building on top of? Well, what are you building your garden on top of? Yeah, and so, and, and that's the foundation that everything comes up from. Your foundation yeah. is the most valuable thing for both planting and yeah. a house or whatever building you're going to put. So on. you've been like, you've been like fertilizing different parts of the yard differently or are you gonna, yeah, are you gonna start going down that road or oh, I, I made that mistake that was that was one thing that i that was one thing i did because i've got i i made the mistake of planting blueberries but i've also got a few other uh types of bushes that they all need different types of fertilizer and i'm just in here like oh man i didn't think about that when i started i was like yeah, i need, well, I need these, to group guys, these plants together and those yeah, plants together based I, on that yeah i hadn't wow. i hadn't thought about that quite yet wow i was just in the okay this looks good you know i'll, I'll put these <laughs> over here <laughs> these look good together oh no so what have your neighbors said anything you know so the 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 neighbor that i've interacted with the most he's actually really interested because we're we're both like-minded you know, we, we both like putting interesting plants in our in our yard and enjoying the the, the process that comes from it yeah. and he's actually kind of interesting because when he moved to texas uh he's a him and his wife are both retired and when they moved to texas they wanted or he wanted to get a townhome because he didn't want to take care of a yard he, he it's a little sure. bit, it's a little bit more simple in that respect yeah and his wife did not want a townhome his wife wanted a house with a yard and and, and everything and and so he spent he's he's one of those people that you know he just he pours tons of both time water and money into keeping your yard up uh, up to date right and and i've and i've told and and this is something that i plan on doing with my yard in the spring because i hate mowing but i've told him (laughs) that we're gonna go to a either either a clover lawn or a, a a different type of lawn surface that doesn't require 
any kind of maintenance and significantly less water. Yeah. And for example, the, the clover lawn, and I was telling him this, but there's so many advantages to having a different lawn surface than what you see everybody putting down. So like for clover, for instance, it improves the soil. It, it, it's a, it's a naturally nitrogen fixing plant. So okay. when you, so as it grows, it, it fixes the nitrogen in the soil. And then when you cut it, um, that soil get uh, it gets released into the into the the nitrogen gets released into the soil. Okay, and so it improves the soil it's around. It stays green, you know, throughout the entire year with significantly less water. So uh, you know, whenever when everything's baking in the sun and everything, as everyone's long as you watering have, feverishly. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Everybody's you know spending all of you know. I, I don't for, I forget what percentage of. People spend uh, of their water bill is on their yard, but it's a ridiculous. I think it's like 50, 60 percent of your water bill yeah. goes towards your maintaining your yard. Yeah. And clover requires significantly less water. And, and this is the same for any natural, natural, any other natural grasses that you could put on there. Sure. Uh, that are natural, I say native grasses that you would put on. Right. Um, but it requires significantly less water and stays green and looks better longer. Not to mention the fact that you don't have to mow it if you get the the white clover. And I and I know there there are specific weed killers that are out there to destroy clover. Like people think it's a weed and everything. And 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 in the fifties, they convinced they way back when 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 lawn care was just getting started as an industry, yeah. they actually mixed clover into your yards. But then the um, over time, the giant marketing industry has convinced you that clover is a weed and it needs to be destroyed. And so we've included the special chemical to get rid of this. <laughs> but in reality, it's it's just it, it's just another way for you to spend more money on it. Yeah, sure. sure. And, and so what? It, so back to the clover, it, it just requires significantly less water and will last uh, and will stay greener longer with no mowing. Yeah. Especially if you get the white kind that only grows six to eight inches. Yeah, Matt's like, no mowing, yay! Yeah. No mowing for me. I, I, yeah. I have twins. I have much better things to be doing than paying someone mowing to mow than mowing the lawn or pay, even paying it's someone to day. mow it for me. Yeah. Well, it's nice that you, no one's you know coming like, wow, why are you doing this with your yard? Or you know, you don't get that kind of response. Oh no, you know, yeah, it's, no. It's, most of my neighbors are, are fairly flexible with yeah. that type of thing, and and he was actually the the neighbor I was, I'm talking about. He was. He was interested in, in hearing what I had to say because, you know, he'd yeah. never heard of something like that before. You know, that's really cool. So I, I thought it was it was a good opportunity to, yeah. to share that. Well, that's neat. Well, there's um, uh, one last thing before we go, and you're way too young to remember this. And to, theoretically, I'm way too young to remember this, um, but it goes back to that whole idea of urban farming. Uh, in the '70s, there was a British uh, sitcom called Good Neighbors. And the premise of the of the story is that the couple has decided that they they are they're quitting their jobs, and they are going to subsist off their land. So of course, and it's Interesting. a typical British neighborhood where it's these very cookie cutter lots, very regimented down yes. the street, and so they start farming on their property, and the front yard becomes the garden. Of course, the backyard, I think they have a pig and a cow, and I mean, there's our goats oh, or something. There you go. Um, 
But don't worry, Faye. I'm not gonna go that crazy. <laughs> I'm gonna stop architecting. I think I'm just gonna. We're just gonna live right here. Yeah, I think that lasts about ten minutes. Yeah. Um, yeah. James would look at me like you're high. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, but that's what they they start doing, and it's just hilarious. I mean, it's the 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 very uppity next door neighbors who are, are their good friends, are you know just beside themselves, of course, that they're doing this and. Um, it was, it was a fun show. It was, it was, but like I said, I saw it on, of course, on PBS on reruns, but you know, so, and you know, really before my time, but also way before your time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but it's that whole idea of sort of that urban gardening that, you know, um, and, and maybe because we're, you know, you're an architect or we're architects, we're more apt to think of those things versus the average person just, Oh, I've got a lawn, I've got to mow it, I've got to water it, I've got to do this and that yeah, not, not yeah. thinking what can i do to make it a little more self-sustaining yeah a little bit more yeah plus you get you know some fruit and some herbs out of it and something you can actually use i was gonna say we we had pizza recently with freshly grown basil oregano and rosemary on it it was delicious <laughs> and we even made some lasagna out of the oregano with it as well well now you just need to get you a little you know a little sheep and you know have some <laughs> Start making your own cheese. Friend of mine suggested that. Uh, yeah, again, <laughs> Shay would probably kill you. Yes. Anyway, well, thank you guys for listening. It's it's this is one of those things I just never think about for you know architecture wise because because we are we are taught very regimented styles or very loose style, but it's always beautifying the landscape. Mm-hmm. I don't think we're taught really how do we make the landscape work for us. That's kind of cool. Well, thank you for listening. Um, you know, as usual, you can find me on uh, on Twitter and on Facebook, Spotted Dog Arch. Actually, that's my Twitter and Instagram, but Facebook is Spotted Dog Architecture or the website SpottedDogArchitecture.com. But Matt finally has a Twitter account. Yeah, so you can find me at ArchGeek Matt. ArchGeek Matt. Okay. And just a Twitter account, right? Just Twitter for now. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, we'll we'll bring him along slowly. But anyway, thank you guys for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.